It is a real podcast today. Josh Fedrick. We get to work with Josh. We got this music from Epic Hit Pop number two. Yes. Epic Uh, Hit Pop number two. Oh, yeah, wait. What episode is this? I legitimately do not know. Uh, 104? 103? I think it's 104. Well, are we counting that. Mondays as 104? I'm not going to count Monday. I call that a podcast bonus. Yeah. So that is not, uh, that's not an episode. All right, we'll turn this music down. How dare you Perfect. disrespect hip-hop jams number two. Actually, the title of the track is Why Cry. Uh, yeah, Why Cry. Man up. Babies. Uh, Monday, we, I wanted to put that on the podcast because the Combine had just really wrapped up, and I wanted to get our initial thoughts. I thought you had some great stuff on the quarterbacks. I thought we had some good stuff on the early, the running backs, and guys that impressed you, didn't impress you. Uh, today, I want to go through some of the big free agency notes that are happening. We're in the middle of the tampering period. Episode We're 104, by 104 the way. 104 for Brett Favre, Derek Carr. Sure. It's over. No debate. No, no more. Uh, other thing is, I mean, I, I have heard a few things about the quarterback as far as meeting rooms, I'm just we're gonna I get yeah, probably exactly. should have said that to you before no, you no, started. No, no, no. We're going to get to that and then your breakdown, a deeper breakdown into Miles Garrett and some of the running backs okay. in our kind of like a third block. Yeah. First block, I want to do the news that we're hearing already. Second block, our man uh, Lombardi uh, brought up that book. I read the chapter of the book that he wanted you to read. Right. And I want to talk about like 10 things that Daryl Morey of the Rockets has done that I think when we talk about players in the draft, Mm -hmm. I don't think NFL franchises will adopt it anytime soon. Right. But I think they're useful things that can help us evaluate players. Really simple stuff that's interesting. And then some random questions at the end after you do your deep dive. Nice rundown. Felt good. That's good. good. Way to go, kid. This is really segmented. Uh, you love segments. Don't I love you? segments. A good segment. <laughs> give me a couple. Give me a couple good segments All and right, a warm so glass of milk. Our first segment. Uh, it's going to bring back Josh Fedrick, news reporter. Breaking news here today on the Sims and Lefko podcast. <laughs> Brandon Marshall, formerly of the New York Jets, has signed with the New York Giants. Two years, twelve million dollar contract. Shocker. Chris Sims after the break. Your thoughts on this signing for the New York Giants? You predicted this one. I well, well I you mean, knew. I had a good All feeling. All right, so let's hear. So Brandon Marshall was calling you, and he asks you for what information? He doesn't call me. He texts me randomly. Okay. So he'll ask me about players and offenses and quarterbacks. So and he did this before coming to the Jets as well? He always has done it with me, yes. I mean, ever since we left each other in Denver in 2009 – you know, I think he got a chance to see that I'm like, you know, of course, a guy that pays attention and I study a lot of it. And, uh, of course, we're, we're trusted friends and he picks my brains about these things. Yeah, I was not shocked by the Giants thing at all. I he mean, picks he, your brains? He picks my brains because mul- I got multiple. You got multiple so brains? What, did, what were the other teams he may have been interested in? Well, Baltimore, um, New England, I think, was part of the, yeah. in his mind, uh, you know, he did ask me questions about Tyrod Taylor. I don't know if Buffalo was in the equation gotcha. or if he thought maybe Cleveland might get Buffalo. Ah, uh, or Tyrod, yeah. Yes. Or, so or, when it came yeah. to the Giants, what'd you tell him? Uh, I, I just thought it would be the perfect fit, first of all. I don't think he really, as a person, and all the times we have actually talked and not texted this year, he loves New York. Yes. He, I think he would be happy to live here the rest of his life. So he's very much uh, in tune with the city. I do think he's also very self-aware that he's doing very well in the TV side of this business as well. And this will keep that avenue alive even more. And at the end of the day, he's made a shitload of money. Yes, He doesn't really give a damn about the money anymore. 
and this was the perfect deal for both sides, and he can go somewhere. And what people miss about B. Marsh is he's not just an outside receiver. He has slot value. Mm. He is, he's an incredible route runner for his yeah, size. He doesn't, he's not a great 40 runner, but yes. he's quick. He yes. can still make he's people miss. He's more quick than fast. Here is my Adam Lefko tr- football and reasoning. And he killed tutelage OBJ. And that's what I want to talk yeah, about. Right. I'm watching Good Morning Football today, and their concerns were Brandon Marshall's always used to being the guy. How is he going to get along with Odell Beckham? Mm. Let's wait until weeks 8, 9, or 10. And I, th- I think that if you haven't been paying attention to Brandon Marshall, right. I think you're crazy. This is not Miami Brandon Marshall yes, anymore. This right. is not Den- It hasn't been that guy for years. Mm-hmm. When you talk to Brandon Marshall, he's so smart, it would never happen. The other thing is, too, is you've told me that Brandon Marshall and Odell have a little relationship They have already. a very good relationship. And people think it's going to be two alphas coming in together. Set the record straight on what Brandon Marshall and Odell Beckham are already oh, like. They're, 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 they're already extremely good friends. I'm not going to say they're BFFs, yeah. but they are really good friends. They do hang out outside of, the, uh, outside of football. Uh, they do keep in contact. And I think uh, Brandon Marshall recognizes the talent. I think Brandon Marshall sees Odell Beckham Jr. and goes, I see a lot of what I used to be in this kid. And I don't think Brandon Marshall's sitting there going, oh, I want to be the number he one. He could care less. Exactly. He could care less. I, I mean, just, that's that's really being outside and coming out with a. It, it, it's a that's an old. That's the old narrative. That's eight yes. years old. That's and, I, narrative. and I think a lot of people are still thinking. That. I know that's stupid. The other thing that I love about Brandon Marshall to the Giants, I don't like it as an Eagles fan, but yep. Brandon Marshall for the reason I love this. One, you're giving a real mentor for Odell. Yes. Victor Cruz could give Odell advice, but Brandon Marshall, like you said, was Odell, so he knows exactly what he can be and being a big guy in that thing. It also moves Sterling Shepard inside. Yeah. So not only are you giving yourself Brandon Marshall, you're improving Odell by getting coverage away from him. Right. You're improving Sterling Shepard by moving to the inside. And because we always say the Giants' offense is so basic, yeah. you need 50-50 guys more than any other offense. You're right. And when you can have a guy like Brandon Marshall who, when your slant-flat combo gets figured out in the second quarter because it's all you run, uh-huh. you're going to need a guy to jump over somebody. Yes, and no Brandon doubt. Marshall can still do that. Yes, he can. Uh, you all your points are extremely valid, and yeah, I mean it, it, it is. It's going to make Sterling Shepard's life even easier too to yes. go. You know, he'll be able to jump outside every now and then too, and go outside. They'll let Brandon Marshall work the middle of the field like a tight end would be uh, at this point. You know, the Giants don't really have that tight end. I wouldn't be shocked if they went that way for the draft a little bit actually yeah. as well. Uh, but man, that's a big time of the Giants and six million dollars. So smart, chump change, right. smart, chump change. Giants are the favorite to win the NFC East. Um, you still got to think the Cowboys are the team. We got to see how free agency goes. In the yeah, draft. but I mean, it's really close. It really is. I think it, when I heard that this morning, I went, mm, I would. You had th- to think about it. Uh, yeah, it did make me think. Yes, because it does. I really like the fit of that. And then it's going to be the Giants. It's going to come down to offensive line. That's all it is. How are they going to protect Eli? Who's running the football? Mm-hmm. Is Perkins going to make a jump? And can the defense stay the way if they end up losing Hankins? Right. Because that that all changes everything. Yeah, too. I think I think they lose Hankins. They're going to have to go with like Jay Bromley, Robert Thomas, that group mm-hmm. there. Oquara in certain situations as the three technique, and and they'll work that work that way to fill the Hankins void. Anything going? We going to Branky News again? Yeah. Or? Yeah, where's the music at? Thank you. <laughs> Jeez. Breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Sims and Lefko podcast. <gasps> After 14 years, the Tony Roma era is officially over in Dallas. News breaking today, courtesy of Adam Schefter on ESPN, that the Cowboys will release Tony Romo on Thursday. Man. Coming up after the break, 
I don't have a tease. Never mind. <laughs> Adam Luff, Coast Take. Uh, my first thought was, I love when they say, if we don't get a trade done by Thursday, we're going to release him. Well, now you're definitely not getting a trade done. Because why would anyone trade for someone that they can just sign? Well, if, Unless you didn't think you were the favorite right. and you wanted to lock it yes. up. But the deal they have right now between Jerry and Tony is we're going to look out for each other. Yeah, they definitely are. And then, uh, who was your pick to where he ends up? Uh you stole my Kansas City I think pick I went, in week eight. I think I did go Kansas City. I think it's going to end up being the Houston Texans, though, more than more likely than yeah. not. I really do. I think it'll be perfect, actually. Uh, and I, I and from what I've heard in the back channels, that is the team he would like to go to the Texans. most. Yes, he would like to be on the Texans. That makes the most sense. I thought about it this weekend. Kansas City, he'd have to learn the West Coast. I think he could pick it up. Yeah, sure. But the Houston offense is a little bit similar to the Cowboys offense, mm-hmm. where it's individual routes, and then it's, okay, I can lob it up to Hopkins. I have a number of tight ends at my disposal. I have a really good running back. I have a good offensive line. It fits him a lot better. Um, Man, it's it's Tony Romo. He's gone. Yeah, great for him. Great for Dallas. It's cool for Jerry Jones. I mean, uh, I mean, that's it's hey, good for them obliging Tony Romo and realizing all the things he's done for them throughout his career and that he really is down on the the last straw here of being able to win a championship. Now, what are they going to do? They're going to have to June 1st them, right? They are June 1st. Yeah, yeah. so they June 1st them to split it out to where it's only $10 million this exactly. year of dead money, right? So yes. that's that, that's the smart thing. That's the thing I was wondering. I was like, man, they're just going to eat $19 yeah, million dead money? Yeah, they're cutting him with the June 1st designation. Right, so uh, that makes a whole lot more sense. And now it's going to be interesting. I know Kansas City has come out and said that they're kind of comfortable with Alex Smith. I'd like to see... What, yeah. what comes to fruition here? But I would think the Houston Texans make a big play He for is him. expected to go on a Peyton Manning-esque tour, yes. which is always fun for us in the media because we get to see video of him leaving airports right. and meeting with people like John Elway and John Dorsey. See what kind of shape he's in. Ex- <sighs> yeah. yeah. I'm telling you, they're going to look at him and go, this guy looks like Lefko. Well, they, they listen, I would be... I would really, I would want to put him through a workout almost, but that's not going to be able to. Ha- it's not going to no. happen. But uh, yeah, that would be the biggest concern for me with with Tony Romo right now is just the state of his body. What kind of shape is he in? Is it even realistic for him to last a 16 game season? Because uh, yeah, it didn't look very in shape in training camp last year, and then of course he got hurt. Did you cover what a Tony Romo led Houston Texans offense? I mean, how far he could take them? They could be New England. They were go a, to the Super Bowl. You thought they were a Super Bowl caliber team this year. Minus Brock Osweiler. I, I think they're yes, they're a they are a Super Bowl caliber team, uh, and if they can just add maybe maybe another offensive lineman, maybe another defensive lineman to the fold, uh, yeah, the Houston Texans aren't going anywhere. Um, even even though they're losing an AJ Bouye and all that. Uh, it doesn't really matter. And what's funny is it sounds like A.J. Bouye is going to end up in the AFC South with the Titans or Colts. Uh, or I also heard there's a chance he could be going to the Eagles. Mm, I did. I saw that, too. Which I, I, I don't know yesterday. how they're going to afford him, but that would be very interesting. Right. Uh, what was the Texans' defense ranked last year? One. And they didn't have J.J. Watt. Yes. They're not going anywhere. No. That's a pretty interesting situation to yeah. go to. That's my favorite thing to say right now. It's the right least now. pressure for him out of all the places because even if he gets off to a rocky start, they're a team that's going to be capable of winning 13-10 games, 16-13, whatever it is. Yes. And they have a run game as well that will help them out. Breaking news here on the Sims and Lefko podcast today, everyone. Boy, do we have a big story coming out of the NFL this afternoon. The Buffalo Bills are keeping Tyrod Taylor on a restructured deal. Whoa. According to ESPN.com, once completed, it is expected to be four years for $8.5 million, 
with four million dollars guaranteed, a source told That's ESPN. That's a lot less than twenty-seven and a Adam half Kaplan. million. I didn't even. I did not know those numbers until Neither right did now. Until that moment. Uh, and then also some other random news from the Bills. Uh, they're signing fullback Patrick Demarco. So I for actually four years, eight and a half million dollars. So wait, wait. Okay. So you're telling me Patrick Demarco is getting the same contract as Tyrod Taylor? So wait, you're sure about uh, that with the Tyrod Taylor? That's not real. I'm not going to see a story that says Mike Glennon's going to get $15 million and then a story where Tyrod Taylor is getting two. I'm, I'm trusting Roto World. Yeah. Are, you sure, Roto. On, are you sure that wasn't Patrick DeMarco's contract? No, I'm looking at Roto World. Patrick De- Bills agreed to terms with fullback Patrick DeMarco. You know, Tyrod Taylor's numbers. Yeah, and then I'm on ESPN.com. Bills are expected to finalize a deal uh, on Thursday. Oh, that was Patrick DeMarco's contract. <laughs> I'm like, come uh, on. Those are, those are fullback numbers. What the? Uh, where's Tyrod? The, the one thing that I liked was I, I know that McDermott doesn't do offense, but when I thought of the Panthers' offense when McDermott was there, and I thought about Cam Newton and Tolbert and the running back and having a good fullback. That was bad. Yeah, that was. I, well, I, I'm glad we figured it out. But having a good fullback up there. Uh, with LaShawn McCoy and Tyrod, you could create an interesting offense. Yeah. No, I yeah. mean, I, I got to see it. I yeah. mean, it's Rick Dennison. It's a coach from the Denver Broncos. It's not going to be Sean McDermott exactly. and that, that offense. So that's what would worry me. But Tyrod does fit that offense. I mean, it's basic West Coast. Yeah. It's inside, outside zone. And bootlegs, and that's the, the extent of the offense. It's all the crap you've seen for Gary Kubiak and the Broncos the last two years, which he does fit, yeah. you know. Um, but I don't think it's going to help him at the end of the day, really. It, it, honestly, I think he's in a bad spot in general yeah. if he wants to further his career. I think the two first stories, Brandon Marshall to the Giants, step forward to a Super Bowl run. If Tony Romo were to go to the Texans, step forward to a Super Bowl run. Tyrod Taylor is keeping you right where you are. Yeah, I mean, he, well, he is. And, and for them, he's actually... Uh, I don't know who's helping more. He's helping them out more with their, their crap offense, and they are helping him out. That would be the thing I would say. I mean, right. yeah, his athletic ability will come into play in this offense, uh, just like you saw you know, Simeon a little last year, and he was very good in the boots and throwing on the run and stuff too. But, yeah, there's just not a lot to it, especially the drop-back pass game. I mean, can I tell you how many times I watched third and nines on Denver last year and all four receivers went 10 yards and curled back? I mean, it just it's it's crap a lot of the times. Man, all right, that's enough. Are Puff, you ready? You yeah. ready for more breaking news, Adam? I, you bet your ass I am. You want some breaking news? Well, how about this? Brian Hoyer set to sign with the 49ers. Word on the street is that new head coach Kyle Shanahan viewing him as a backup quarterback option. Okay. Next up, the 49ers signing wide receiver free agent Marquise Goodwin. According to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, I'm out of breaking news. So there's music. his Taylor Gabriel. There's his Travis Benjamin, right? And uh, the last bit of information, the 49ers will sign Pierre Garçon. League sources believing he will make $16 million in his first year, according to Chris Mortensen. Ooh, does it say anything about the total deal in general? I can find out I'm for sure you. I'm sure it'll be. It'll that was the only nugget that I had seen, that it was $16 million in the first year. So they're enticing him to get him there. He wants him there right away to start off his offensive so era. Goodwin, in Garçon, and Hoyer, yeah. you know in college. What is being built right now? Because like he did in Atlanta, yeah. he went out and got his guys. Right. Are these Kyle guys? They definitely 
you are. You could tell their guys he Well, wanted. I mean, Garcon is the guy. He brought Garcon from to Washington, to Washington yes, from, from the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. So that totally fits. He loves Pierre Garcon. I mean, Pierre Garcon is uh, he's everything you want, right? He's like he's Mohamed Sanu, what he was for that team last year, gotcha. except he's more talented. He's going to block. He's going to be tough. He's going to go over the middle, except he's a better route runner and more of a threat to go deep. Goodwin could be that Taylor Gabriel top off the defense. Travis Send Benjamin. him on a few routes, scare the defense. E- exactly right. Goodwin has the speed. I think he was like a 4-3-something kid. Yeah, he was 4-2, I believe. You're um, probably right. And, and, then, um, and, and then Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. I mean, they Solid re-signed backup. Jeremy Curley. That's another guy yeah. that would fit along what they do, right? The Aldrich Robinson type you saw this year. The Hawkins from mm. Cleveland, who Kyle had as well. Um, and then, yeah, Hoyer is, yeah, he could be a great backup. He could be also your, your starter. starter. And if you draft a quarterback at the first pick of the, or the second pick of the second round, and you go, you know what, I'm not quite ready to start this kid yet. Right. And let's let him sit in the back. So I think they Brian their- Hoyer is the least threatening backup in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like you, you can have him there. He can run the offense. He can do what you need to do. He's a leader, but he doesn't ever take the shine away from the young stud or a guy that you're going to pay money to. That's fair. It is interesting that this is why it seems like Kyle wanted John Lynch because it would be a GM that would go, let me try and build what I'm trying to build. And Pierre Garçon is an older version of Mohamed Sanu, very versatile, good guy to have in the locker room. Goodwin is a cheaper version than some of the other guys he's had. Yep. And Brian Hoyer is a guy that if I need to get by with this, I can get by with this. Yeah. The 49ers will be a two-year, three-year rebuild. That's what it's going to take with where they are in terms of switching defenses from a 4-3 to a 3-4 in terms of the offensive scheme and not having a quarterback of the future. They cut Marcus Martin, their center they drafted three years ago that was supposed to be the future. And Kyle just, I think, needs his guys to get the base level offense. No doubt. He wants guys. And then from there, they can teach as they bring in more people. Yeah. I mean, the free agency reeks of Kyle to me so far. Because, and you even listen to the comments they've made in the press. Like, Kyle's been all over the free agency thing. Lynch is all over the draft stuff right now. And they've met somewhere in the middle here in in recent history or whatever. Sounds like good communication. It is good. I, I mean, I wouldn't doubt that it's good communication i mean they're both good communicators communicators at heart anyways but yeah i I do uh kyle has like any good team has a formula of what he wants from each position and you you might think it's actually shocking but a lot of teams don't really know what they want which is insane right that's why when you guys are watching the draft and you hear take the best available player right no you need to know who the best available player is for your team right because we've talked about this before the seahawks they play at a certain stadium they want a certain speed Mm -hmm. they're not going to go out and get dante hightower doesn't fit what they do even if they have the salary cap to make it happen Guys, guys, I'm sorry I'm going to have to stop you, but we've actually got some real breaking news in the middle real of the breaking news. Real breaking news. Okay. This is not fake breaking news. On Twitter, according to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, Rap Sheet, Colts tight end Dwayne Allen being traded to the New England Patriots. The Patriots have a new tight end. Wow. Dwayne so that Allen. means that Bennett is done. Yep. Uh, Dwayne Allen. Does he fit in nicely there? He fits in perfectly. He's a poor man's Martellus Bennett is really what he is. I mean, he's... Uh, I would say every bit the blocker, if not better blocker, Martellus Bennett, which is saying a lot because Martellus Bennett's a good blocking tight end. Uh, he's just slightly less of a pass catcher threat as far as after the after the, with the ball in his hand. But regardless, 
That is awesome. He's the perfect fit for them once again. I mean, it's not going to change their offense, and it's going to make them just as dynamic as they were last year. Excuse me. I can't believe the GM of the Colts, the new GM. Who? What's his name? Is it? Uh, it's uh, the ki- the guy from Kansas City. Um, yes, Ballard. Uh, yes, yeah, Chris right. Ballard. I right. can't. It's crazy to think of the Colts and the Patriots making a deal. Yeah, well, it's a new regime, so I guess he doesn't. Uh, Belichick and company don't feel as. And then for the Colts, so they have what? Jack Doyle and Eric Swoops. Yeah, the kid from Miami. So I, I guess that, I mean, the Colts do have a decent amount of money as well, right, to spend. I mean, would they would they look at a Martellus Bennett? That's what I actually thought about right away. I mean, I'm going to be interested to see who is going to pony up for Martellus Bennett. Yeah, where do you, we were talking about this while uh, Fendrick was trying to find batteries uh, for the recorder. Uh, the Raiders would be cool yep. to match him up with Clive Walford. Uh, but I thought your Panthers one was was great. Well, the Panthers are a team that's got a lot of money. Why would you not? If you're going to be that type of team where you're going to do use exotic the run game, right? Yeah. You throw to Olsen. Why not have another one to you know just create more mismatch nightmares? That would make sense. I mean, another team that I look at right away, like the Rams. Who who do the Rams got a tight end? I mean, that that would jump out to me. My thing with Bennett though is he had so many quotes throughout the year about what it was like to finally play for a good franchise and a coach that gets it yes that i can't imagine him going to a place that doesn't have their shit together yeah i I get it what'll be really interesting is is does he want to play with cam newton like does he even take the trip because um i don't know i i don't know if martellus bennett's ever been asked about cam newton i know he thinks he's like insanely big but I don't know if you'd want to play with him. Well, why? What's what's? I don't get it. Why? Would, but I mean, also the scheme and like what they're trying to do down there. Yeah, I think he's going to go where the money is. He's kind of said that. Yeah, I don't think right. it's going to change that. Um, all right, you got one more for us, right? Oh, you want some breaking news? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. You want some news. breaking news? Uh, I just X'd out of the breaking news music. But last bit of breaking news today: the Ravens have released pass rusher Elvis Dumervil. Uh, Dumervil that was announced today. They will save $6 million in cap space, and it was first reported by former teammate Steve Smith. Yeah. Oh, baby. He's a very weak pass rusher market. Mm -hmm. What does he have left? He doesn't have a whole lot left. Okay. So it's a very smart move. He's certainly not worth that price anymore. And I mean, I I love Elvis. He's a good dude. We were teammates out there in Denver that year. I was with Brandon Marshall and company. Uh, But, man, health issues have been the big thing the last few years, and he's not a real big guy as is, and he's getting up there in age. Yeah, he's going to have to go somewhere and kind of like reprove himself again if he wants to get like, you know, true value on the market once again. Uh, I do think there's something there as far as yeah, you want to bring him on your team just to bolster your pass rush, have guys in certain passing situations. That's what he is at this point in the career, at, at his career. Uh, but I think that's a smart move by the Baltimore Ravens. All right, I'm going to go rapid fire with some four other nuggets, and I just want your quick take. Ravens uh, offensive tackle Ricky Wagner is going to the Lions. Awesome. Good player. I mean, Ricky Wagner is one of the best right tackles in football. I mean, we, we talked about that during the year in the podcast, Ravens offensive line. Sure. Uh, sometimes, one of the, a few of the times when they hit their little I know speed bumps, like he was hurt. million, and people are like, wow, that's a lot a of money. Yep. But, but you got a quarterback that's worth a ton of money. You're What's not far off. What's their line look like right now? Their old line is not really too bad. I mean, when you really look at, okay, Tomlinson, who's got a— Lincoln Tomlinson. Lincoln Tomlinson. Um, their their center is what Swanson, right? Who's a good little center? Taylor Decker. Taylor Decker, who I was very impressed with last year. Uh, Watford, I got to check. Is he still under contract there? I, think I wasn't he's even a free agent. Is this he a year. free agent? So uh, I got to pull up their but to roster. actually have two good tackles on the Lions. It's, it's the been first a very time long time. Matt Stafford will have that, and Ricky Wagner is definitely one of the best right tackles in football. 
All right, uh, next nugget. AP, this is according to Jason Cole. Peterson may return to Vikings after a lack of interest from other teams. No shit. Okay. I mean, what is it? What? 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 I, I don't. That's what. Like, didn't we went on Facebook Live last week, right? And I just said, what is this fixation with Adrian Peterson? I know he's one of the three greatest running backs of all time, but he's barely played mm. in three years, and all of a sudden we just think, oh, because he's going to come back and be one of the best running backs in football. No, that day is done. Nobody wants to deal with him. I don't think the Minnesota Vikings want to deal with him. I think they're looking to t- turn the page of what they are as an organization. Chris, so you didn't learn anything after three years of telling people that Peyton Manning wasn't good at football anymore, and then finally in the fourth year they listened to you? Well, I, I guess. I be, it's just amazing. It's just people won't let go of these dreams sometimes yes. of these players and what they are. And, I mean, just – Listen, the, the running backs look legit coming out in the draft. Yeah, uh, I've already started on those. So uh, I, I totally get it. There's not going to be a market. Andre Branch getting three years, $27 million from Miami. Not a lot of people know who Andre Branch is. Is this a big deal? It is a big deal. They need him because he is, was one of their best defense alignment on their team last year. So uh, that certainly makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I, I really, yeah, I think he would have commanded some pretty good dollars out there on the on the pass rush market because like you said it's not a great market this year yes. but he is a really good player that would start for about every team in football and Barry Church safety from the Cowboys getting a four year of more than six million dollars annually to play for the Jags that's awesome that's probably the winner to me right there as far as system player fit right really? there yeah I mean he's a Barry Church is a Cam Chancellor-esque type of player he's a true strong safety uh, that had to play a little more of everything the last year, strong safety, free safety, depending on who was healthy, Byron Jones, J.J. Wilcox Mm. in Dallas. But he will be the perfect fit for them, that Seattle scheme, and he is an upgrade from the strong safety they are not re-signing in free agency, which is Jonathan Cyprian. Awesome. All right, you keep your eye on like Twitter and stuff. And I just want to make sure is Wofford. I'm just it's going back to the Detroit thing. I wasn't sure if Wofford was a free agent or not. That's why I just wanted to make sure. because I do still see him on their roster. I want to get into right now is so we did a little we did a bunch of the draft combine stuff after the combine. Uh, what else are you hearing about these quarterbacks? You said you got a little bit of nuggets from people around the NFL about the quarterbacks. You talking about all of your top six quarterbacks? Pretty much, yes. Okay, so let's start off with the one that Just is quick little tidbit. Let's start off with Deshaun Watson. Uh, amazed, people love him. Wow, he was amazing in the meetings. His ability to retain. Uh, information I think blew people away because really? people were a little scared about and the does Clemson. That overcome you with saying that he only throws slant go screen. That if he's able to pick up the board, yeah, it helps you overcome those fears. Exactly right. Yes, to see the guy in person and say, okay, we want you to watch these five plays with us. We're going to teach you these five plays, yes. and then we're going to go back and start from the beginning, and then we want you to teach back everything we taught you. And I heard it was flying colors from wow. more than one team. So love it. Love it. So that's great to hear. I mean, he sounds like he's Dak Prescott 2.0, except he's just got maybe more of a higher upside, right? Sounds great. I know. Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky, not as impressive in the meetings from from everything I've been told. So the, the thing that's interesting to me is Trubisky is the most impressive going through reads out of a lot of these quarterbacks on uh. the field. Now, 
this is where you have to be careful. Just because a guy can't regurgitate everything you taught him back in five minutes, that's very rarely going to happen in the NFL. Right. They give you what you got to do. You got to know by the next morning, right? Yes. This is what we're going to run in practice tomorrow. You get to go home. You get to digest it, figure it out. Then you come back in the morning meetings. You go over it again. So you don't need to be a rocket science. But rock- doesn't it say something about how you deal with pressure? It, it definitely does, yes. And those are the questions with Trubisky because he's only played one year. It's 13 games. Yeah, everything looks good from a physical standpoint. I thought even going back, I watched the combine workouts. Uh, I thought he, again, was the best guy there working out, throwing the ball consistently. But, yeah, there were concerns about Trubisky and his sharpness at mm. the board and things like that. All right. So I'm now Team Watson because of hearing these yeah. things. And because I don't think Trubisky is that much of a higher upside than Watson. Right. Deshaun uh, Kaiser. Yeah, Kaiser is smart kid. I the the people that that I talked to weren't like in love with him as the guy as a guy like it sounded well listen one coach said to me you know he he was very quick to make excuses and things like that and that and that what are you always, supposed to do because they're going to bring you up your man negativity. up from all if I had to take anything from my own life that was, you have to man up especially with football mistakes just always say it's your fault oh the receiver dropped the ball that hit him in the face my fault I threw it too hard. It was too perfect of a spiral. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Let them see. Let the them. Joke. They'll know it, right? Yeah. So great. Tell them that. And the other thing is, be a man. Be accountable for the things you do off the field too. Like I wish I would have been just more the way I naturally am. I kind of was like too respectful. Oh, this guy's known, known my dad for a long time. I don't want to tell him right. anything to make make him think I'm a bad guy. And my right. dad thinks you know now his view of me and my dad changes. Uh, my experience after I got done with the combine was even when I worked in New England and other places, such value on the guy who was man enough to go, yeah, no, I drink beers on a Friday night, and yeah. uh, have you smoked pot? And they 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 would rather hear yes. They I would rather smoke. you say yes. Yes, go, they go, no, I've never done it, and yes. they and they know you do it because they've investigated. I know that was or, one of the issue that a lot of coaches had with AJ McCarron, right? And that's it's just the guy, yes. Because if you're going to lie to us, if you can lie yourself to the mirror, right. We got a team of fifty-two other dudes that are not going to handle. They're going to see well. through it, right? Uh, your your guy that I know you like is potential uh, Mahomes, Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes, I think, uh, got the second biggest rave reviews behind Watson. Behind Watson, yeah. So he's able to retain things he too. Was retain so the them. one guy in the offense that's all slants and screens, the other guy that's a spread Texas Tech, they're the ones picking it up the most. I think the people. It's that's funny, really right? Really interesting. It is, and, and I think the people too are also like. Uh, you know, I, I talked to a number of people about Mahomes. I think people were very intrigued by my Mahomes, the early part of watching them on film and, and then seeing him throw in person. I think they all were like, well, he is a gifted thrower. He can just sling it. Uh, and I think they're also taking into account, like, yeah, there's some reckless plays on film, but at the end of the day, it's still 41 and 10. So it couldn't have been that reckless. Yeah. It's 41 and 10. And um, it's also a little the way they play and the way they're ca- taught and, and, and everything from Cliff Kingsbury. So you have to take that into account as far as what the guy is as well. Uh, the next guy is the kid from Cal. Yeah. No, I didn't get to, like, get like Davis Webb. Davis Webb and the uh the the um the kid from Pittsburgh. Pitt. Yeah, uh, I'm blanking Nathan. What the hell is his last name? Palmer? Uh, Pier- Peterman. Peterman, sorry. Uh No, I, I didn't get like I, I do like him. I really do. Now, both of them I like. Uh I didn't get to hear their their scouting report as far as how they did on the board regurgitating players. Yes. But I got more just about what they were as guys and 
the two coaches I talked to were more just men. They were really good guys. You could tell they're men's men. Mm. Uh, enjoy talking to them. That's kind of the approach I got. Now, the big thing, Davis Webb. Did you see Davis Webb, what he was doing in the combine? Just no. real quick, we hit on it. See how he's holding the ball up here by his ear? Okay. Like, he's got to stop that shit. I don't know who's teaching him that. Yeah. If anybody out there knows Davis Webb and listening, that just tell him. That's wrong. You, you see any good quarterbacks in the football holding the ball up by their ear? No. Negative. You can't do that. Yeah. He did it the whole, his whole year. He was down. Down here, holding the ball, Super relaxed. Fluid. He just, he just right. freaked out at the combine. No, I think somebody's teaching him that. I've seen it. Oh, I've seen oh, you think it was a conscious Yes, change. I think it's a, because I saw it at the Senior Bowl too. Because they probably keep it high. They like it when it's high. Right, the worst it's thing tight. Be is when it's low. But whatever. Yeah, that takes away your power. It takes away your rhythm. It makes you robotic, and it makes you a less effective thrower. And I don't think he threw it as good as he possibly could at the, the combine. Schefter's got breaking news. You want you want me to hit it? Yeah, I do. Okay, <laughs> give me that beat, bro. Do, 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 do. I haven't done a news break do, in a long do, do. time. Do, 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 here we go. Do, do. Okay. That wasn't good enough for you? Okay. That was ABC's breaking news. Apparently our breaking news guy is it's slow to the trigger. Kid can't even press play on the breaking you news video. I'll take that. I'll take that ABC news. Want me to do it again? Yeah, do it again. All right, we've got news from the desk of Adam Schefter, and that's Ravens Pro Bowl fullback Kyle Juszczyk. Plans to sign with the 49ers. Oh. So another signing for Kyle Shanahan. He upgraded on his Patrick DeMarco. He said, you can have Patrick DeMarco. I I'll raise you. Sick. So what are we thinking now? That I mean, that's perfect fit for what they want to do. Wow. Yes. We are watching Kyle building his offense. He is one of the under-the-radar, better offensive players in all of football. Really? In he, what way? Well, he's just, again, a jack. Uh, you know, you a showed jackknife. me a clip of Juszczyk last year yeah. where he, you were like, see, this is what the Ravens do with him that other teams aren't ready for. And he ran a 15-yard out yeah. from behind the line of scrimmage. Right, like at the fullback position. And he ran it like a wide receiver. Yeah. And you were like, this is th- yeah. no other team does this. No, no other fullback can do this. No, he's very rare. He was a tight end in college at Harvard. I really scouted him because I was working for the Patriots when he was coming out. I mean, I was at his pro day. Uh, yeah, we called him Juicy J up in the scouting department because he was he was juicy. He was such a better player than people realize. Wow. So I was not shocked to see his success. Uh, he will block you legitimately, fullback style. He's not just like a fullback that's looking to catch footballs. But yeah, he is a he is a tight end. In a undersized fullback body, let's say. But you remember, like, think about the Christmas game, right, against the Pittsburgh Man, Steelers. They have upgraded the weapons. So was that much a run running. or whatever? When he ran over Mike yes. Mitchell and just got in the end zone, what we thought was going to be the game-winning touchdown, yes. right? I mean, he, the kid has got talent, and if you saw him in person, you go, "Oh, wow, he's a specimen." I mean, he's he's built like a, you know, NFL Mack truck starting running back, like Man. that kind of guy. Uh, the other breaking news, you got more music for me? Do I have more music? You want me to use mine? Mine's better. I got you. I got you. Uh, We got some more breaking news from multiple reports that Kenny Stills will be returning to Miami. Ah. Any money? Any money there? Apparently, he's getting a good contract, but still taking less to stay with Miami. No official numbers. Good for him. And he's living in Miami, no state tax with a great OC and yes. a better quarterback than people realize. The grass isn't always greener on the yeah. other side. So, uh, And they got a little something working there. I have another question about the quarterbacks. When yeah. you're going with no, please, let me hear it. Uh, how much harder is Deshaun Kaiser's interview than Deshaun Watson's interview? Because Deshaun is coming off winning a national championship and Kaiser's coming off a season where he was a top five, a 
quarterback or a top five team that finished three and nine. Yeah, I don't think he's got a lot more to answer for. He does have a lot more to answer for. That's really all there is to it, though. I mean, and and really, I don't think it's going to make the interview any harder. Uh, He might have to stomach a few more bad plays on film to watch. And please talk us through these bad situations. Why did you get benched against this team? Blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, tell us about your game at USC. (laughs) And his reply was, of course I go to... Southern California on the one day I'm there, it's raining. That was yep. his reply. That was one of the one of the teams told me, which they didn't like. Right? They didn't want to hear it. You're, yeah. You got to play oh, that football. Was a real, that was a real thing. That, that was he a said. real quote. Yes. Wow. So um, uh, I think that you know, yeah, it's certainly going to be a little more uh, more you know, just hard opens up more opportunities for criticism. No doubt about it. Yeah. Yes, but so but not necessarily much easier. Or do harder. you have any? Uh, interview stories about Miles Garrett and how he did in those meeting rooms? I don't. Now I think is the perfect time for... I want to talk about that book from Michael Lewis. Okay. Because a lot of what it talked about is those interviews and those meeting rooms. So Michael Lewis, the writer of Moneyball, the writer of The Blind Side, he has a new book out right now called The Undoing Project. I heard about it because our friend Lombardi, Michael Lombardi, who works for The Ringer, said all franchises should read this book and change the way they do scouting and evaluation. Mm. And I went, oh man, I'm going to have to read this book. Do you recommend it? He goes, yeah, tell Sims to read it. And I went, well, listen, <laughs> Sims read isn't one book. really a reader. Is it out on tape yet? So let me if he's read reading, it. it's a JFK conspiracy. I'll, yeah. I'll take the lessons and I'll share it with you guys. And the book is all Lee about- Harvey Oswald killed them, guys. Yes. He did it all by himself. The That's book right. is all about human psychology and how it alters our reality without us realizing it. So little things that our brains do that we don't even realize. And in most of Michael Lewis's books, his first chapter is super inside baseball. Blindside was all about Lawrence Taylor and how that created the need for a super athletic left tackle. Yes. And then he got into the story about Michael Lure. So this book, it, the first chapter is about Daryl Morey and what he did with the Rockets. Daryl Morey is a guy that was super analytics guy, came to the Rockets in 06, and he changed everything. And much like in Moneyball, where they said, hey, on-base percentage is more important than hits – like you're not caring about walks, like getting on base is what you're trying to do. He did the same thing with basketball. So he said, look, points, rebounds, steals per game don't matter. There's no correlation. But if we do it per minute, and that says like how fast they're playing, it's more accurate. He also realized, wow, what does the height matter? It's the wingspan. Where their hands are is more important than how high their how tall their head is. Right. He even wanted to try and figure out what if we tracked if guys were raised in single parent households versus two parent households. What if we listen to every soundbite they say and try and figure out a way to go? Will they be responsible with their money when they get it? And right. they've done all this stuff. And I went. What, th- what I just think, just to interject, sure. which is so funny, because like. People think analytics have only happened with Billy Bean and baseball, mm. and like, and now you're hearing about the NBA. Like, okay, but this has been going on in the NFL forever. Right? You know what I mean? So it's, as I'm doing, go these, ahead. I'm not I trying want to shoot you because you have been in these scouting yeah. rooms. You've been in these discussions. I found a number of things that I thought, oh, this was interesting, and how it impacted their scouting. First up was the Joey Dorsey rule. That's not what he calls it, but that's what I'm calling. You remember Joey Dorsey went to Memphis. This was a guy that they took. Looked really good on their model, and he ended up not being good at all. Mm -hmm. And what they realized was is pay attention to age. Dorsey dominated at Memphis because he was 24 years old, and they didn't realize this. They were looking at years, and we've seen this many times. Calvin Benjamin came out. He was 24, 25, and Calvin Benjamin's a really good player. But we've seen his ceiling because he's there. Chris Winkie. 
Chris Wenke. There's a kid in this John draft. Beck. The wide receiver, Cooper Cup, yeah. is already 24 25. Right. Did not do great at the combine. I asked Matt Miller today, hey, is there any websites that track all these players' ages? No. Huh. I'm going to go through and I'm going to look at all the ages of these players. Very important. I think it's very important, but we still, it is not something that's on NFL.com. No. Now, the other, teams will know. Now, the teams yes, will know. Like but I think that's a very underrated thing that no one's paying attention agreed. to. Agreed. I mean, if you're, if you're a grown man at 24, you got a, you got an advantage over the guy that's 19 and still growing. And that's ex- he called them basketball bullies. The other thing you learn about Joey Dorsey is he played at Memphis, Conference USA. He built a lot of his stats against weaker opponents. Yeah. The Rockets then went and adjusted, and we hear that all the time. You know, Deshaun Watson played these great games games and we we took that into effect when we talked about Carson Wentz but they factored in strength of schedule Mm -hmm. the other thing that was caused by Joey Dorsey was the second big thing resist resisting the romance of the face-to-face interview yeah he says that job interviews are magic shows everybody has a charming story he said 80 to 90 percent of the NBA I came from a tough job I I came from a tough area I built this up it was all myself and you go he'll be successful because of that and the face-to-face interview what they did to overcome that was they had strict questions that they asked to every guy and they took the answers and they're trying to figure out a way to correlate it but they don't want to hear about the tough upbringing but that's the same thing as when I hear you have coaches that go I just didn't like Kaiser in the interview that could throw them off to scouting Kaiser for the rest of their time because of one interview when the only reason that Maury says he goes in the interview is if a guy like Mahomes, who has a red flag for off the field, if he doesn't ask that question and then he comes to the Rockets, he has off the field issues, and the owner goes, you didn't ask that, he's got to be there just so he doesn't get fired for not asking the questions. But that face-to-face interview, he says it's so overrated Mm -hmm. and it ruins your ability to analyze them because they might be funnier or they might be cooler. Who gives a shit? Just don't. All you really want is, yeah, you're, I mean, uh, don't be charmed. Yes. Don't be charmed. And uh, you, as long as the guy's not a murderer and raping people and killing people and he comes to work, then that's all you need to know. Then just evaluate the player. The other thing he learned is the guy that he. Sorry did, for that. All right. So the details. <laughs> that was a brash reason. By the, by, well, yeah, <laughs> the Patriots traded a fourth round pick to the Colts for Dwayne Allen and a sixth round pick. Okay. Okay, just the details there. The other thing he learned is when he drafted Joey Dorsey, he passed on DeAndre Jordan. And he looked at his his system, his the analytics that he set up, and Joey and DeAndre Jordan didn't fulfill any of that. Later he found out that DeAndre Jordan hated his college coach. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to be in school at Texas Mm A&M. And the awful stats in the model, he actually needed human input and because he can't Uh, account for that so he realized that his model is failing and he needed humans and that's where the scouts are of getting those background reports on people what was really interesting is that this is where the book starts yeah as he began to realize that he needed humans to make up for the parts of his model that didn't make sense he began studying humans and he began to see where the psychological problems were in scouts when he hires a scout that one of the first questions he asked them is Name someone really big that you missed on. And if a scout tells him that he doesn't have one, his quote is, if they don't give me a good one, good one fuck them. Yeah. Because if you're, you are going to miss on somebody, and if you're going to miss and you're not going to admit it, you need to know those guys. They're more important than the guys you hit on. Yeah. 
one of the things he realized from scouts, confirmation bias. We've heard this a ton. Way, um, immediately like reading someone and then figuring out ways. Like you see with Mike Mayock and Kaiser. Mike Mayock likes Kaiser. And he's unable to ever take a shot at Kaiser because he's fulfilling confirmation. Yes, he's exactly right. If you don't like a prospect, he has no position. If you do like a prospect, he can play all the positions. And that's what you see, and you're looking to confirm that prejudice. So what I want to say to us is there's guys that you like like Mahomes. Yeah. Whatever you do, realize that and try from now on to not have that bias. It's really hard. It is very hard. I, I, I honestly, for anybody else watching me, because I've been around it and I've seen it, I really try to go into every time I turn a film on Yes. and I go – just watch the guy. And I just go, people tried to sell me on Blake Bortles. Let me I ask go, you, one, who is someone that you missed on big? Let me go back to that last well, one. Well, I mean, I think if you went... Uh, I missed Tim I Tebow. I thought that Tim Tebow was going to be a good quarterback. That was like during college. Though. Right, right. Like, I remember that. No, I have guys who are just putting me on the spot right now. I mean, Dak Prescott was the first one that came to mind. I mean, yes. that, that would be the guy right away. Uh, I, I know there's others. L- let me think about that. But I think that's a really interesting point, too. I don't mean to like sit here and crap on Deshaun Kaiser either, but no. I just think he's the one that fits this it's mold of what we're right talking now. right now. Like, like you said, yeah, teams – I don't think the teams that I said they didn't love his interviews, they didn't dislike him. They just weren't like in love with it, right? Yes. So hopefully that won't affect their evaluation. You're exactly that's right. That's the hard thing. Now, the other thing that's affecting people's evaluation of Deshaun Kaiser is what? Is – he just looks the way I'd want my starting Perfect. quarterback so to be. So that's where we're going to get to one he of his other rules. He just looks like a franchise. In his uniform, he looks like the guy I want as my franchise. He calls it the Steph Curry rule. Right. That the physical resemblance to a former player is misleading. Yes. And he said that when Steph Curry came out, smaller, light-skinned guards kept saying, I feel like Steph Curry. And he noticed that there was a kid that played for Eastern Washington that year named Tyler Harvey that got drafted in the second round. He said he was not an NBA player, and he's not in the NBA right now. Yeah. But because of this recency bias and that you look like somebody, he said this happened a lot when they had Aaron Brooks, the right. smaller guard. He go, So what he did was he made his staff, they can only cross-racially compare players. If they're black, you can't compare them to a black guy. If they're white, God forbid you compare them to Gordon Hayward or Larry Bird. You need to compare them to a black, Hispanic, Inuit. Anything that is not theirs, and it completely broke down their scouts from going, oh, he reminds me of whatever, and then adding all of those biases onto him really quick. He says this is the reason why everybody missed on Jeremy Lin. He said Jeremy Lin lit up their analytical model. He had the quickest first step ever recorded for any of the guys they've ever scouted the last 30 years. And his quote was, I can't think of any reason for missing on him other than the fact that he was Asian. Yeah, sure. And it's it's the same thing. Deshaun Kaiser. Well, they, they were comparing him to Cam Newton on the right. NFL Network because he is a 6'4", six, 6'5", six, strong black, black man. man. Right. That's... Okay, but what is his arm throw like? What does he look like? Right. So I would love to do that with us. Yeah. It's going to be super hard when we start doing more PPCs because... But that's the... how guys like Edelman and Wes Welker exactly. fall to the, the cracks. we're already hearing this with a Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. You know, we're already hearing... Leonard Fournette, we're already comparing him to AP. Right. So what can we do in the NFL, especially wide receivers and cornerbacks? I think running backs, it's tougher because there hasn't been a lot lot of great white running backs. So right? my question is John Riggins. After hearing all of that in the NBA and your experience and scouting 
for an organization that is the top of the line organization in the NFL. Yeah. How much anti-bias stuff do the Patriots do to counteract all the stuff that Adam just described? Like, is that stuff that's I talked w- I about? I would ask this first. How many times did you see people comparing to people that look like the safety coming out of UConn? Yeah. We're already comparing on to Byron Jones. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Will that be going on in a lot of NFL Certainly, yes. You know, You're, you can't read a Sydney report Jones as a scout. Jones at Washington is right now being compared to Marcus Peters. Right, they're not the same guy. Right, it's just it is. It's part of the scouting. It's part of the scouting world, first of all, too, because like let's just say you're the director of college scouting, right, and you're just getting into the year's class and you're starting to read. Let me read my area scout guy who did UConn, right? Yes. So he's. The, the the way I was always explained to it too is yeah you're comparing, uh, but as an evaluator you're not taking it heart to heart. You're just giving a a portrait. Uh, you're gotcha. painting a portrait so I can read this. But that and in my mind, could throw you off. It completely. can definitely throw you off. There's and no doubt. That's what Lombardi was saying: is you need to just eviscerate all this. Yes, you have to. I mean, you know who Blake Bortles is? He's Big Ben Roethlisberger. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's what it is. So um, the other, th- the, a few more things I want to get this out there. The but New England is phenomenal. Yeah, how do they break it down? They, I mean, listen, I don't know how Bill breaks it down. Bill's not going to tell me how he breaks it down. But, but they've really done it just because Bill does it all himself. Bill's just amazing in general. He's going to read the report. He's just going to evaluate the player first, and then he's going to read the report on what's the guy like? Is he smart? I'm going to meet him. Can he learn what I want him to do, and does he mm. like football? And that's going to be it. He's not going to go like, oh, I'm worried about what he might do when he leaves here at night. Yes. And, like, he's not going to fall into those I traps. want to know if uh, the Patriots did this. Uh, they call this the Marcus Gasol rule. Mm. What? I call it the Marcus Sol. Why did Moy, Moy, uh, Maury miss on Marcus Sol? Because during the scouting process, they found a picture of a chubby Marcus Sol, and the nickname that he got in the office was Man Boobs. Right. And when it came time to select him, he was absolutely the best guy available, but Maury early on in his career there did not have the confidence. Gasol went all the way to 48th, yeah. and this was something everyone in the league, and he said that that night he looked at everyone and he said, we have a new rule here. There are no nicknames in this because he realized that nicknames could throw it off. Yeah, were there nicknames? You just said Juicy J. <sighs> yeah, I guess yes, there was. There was nicknames. There, there was. I don't know if they were by the upper management though. It was more of us, like us low level scouts gotcha. who would just have nicknames for. But a like guy. you're saying, you're the guys though that could eventually get called in the office and go, "What do you think about this?" No guy? doubt about and you're it. You're like, "Oh, Juicy J." Yeah, or or, or they or boots. they go, "Hey, you drove these guys back to the airport. What were they saying in the car? Did you ask them about the teams they're going to visit or what they exactly. say?" And then we, we would compile information that way as well because guys would get loose with the low-level scout right in the van all of a sudden you go oh yeah what would you think of that eagles visit yes. blah, blah blah and they open up and oh i didn't like the coach or blah, blah blah and then i'd go back and you'd go oh he didn't like the eagles or he mm. said this team is really hot on them and now they can kind of go oh they like them so we got to watch out for them in the second round oh, whatever so it it's be. not it's not assessing their character really but it's being able to use it's just draft a constant yes. constant gathering of information and, and to go to your point too like yeah you're right pictures of bodies and things like that yes. affect people too much. I always go back this to like the Tom Brady thing, like around six, right? T- people obviously missed on Tom Brady. Yes. We know that if you just evaluated the film, he and was better than the six. Was that picture of the shirt off? No doubt. And yes. Tom Brady has to blame himself a little bit. I mean, yeah, you're allowed to lift weights and get in shape. You were yeah. allowed to practice your forty. Yes. So I, I mean, it's partly his fault as well. But yes, at the end of the day, people got too infatuated with those two things and missed what was going on in the field. Uh, to your thing about bringing in rookies for workouts, uh, it's a huge issue there in the Rockets land mm. because they called it, it's like the private workout conundrum yeah. where you would have a guy come in you have a great shooter maybe he comes in and has an off day and he told his scouts listen here's the deal we cannot let one day 
be more important than all of this data that we've compiled on yes. this person. Yes. And one of the scouts came up to him and said, Daryl, please stop. It's like a guy addicted to crack. We can't be near it without it hurting him. And the scouts were like, you're asking us not to put weight on us on a, on a workout. And it's like, we can't like it's what we do is we watch them we make judgments so that they now are very limited on workouts they don't do a lot of workouts because what are you really going to learn that one day hey listen i don't really give a shit what dalvin cook's 5105 was i've seen enough on film to go fuck your 5105 whoever won the combine of the running back he's as good as you when mm. the when the whistle blows and he's got the ball in his hand and you say hey we want you to run the edge and then there's going to be someone there and we want you to cut back and go the other way and stop and come back the other way yes. i watch the film and go he's the best one at it so yeah. i don't really give a damn at the end of the day I, you got to take it all into account all That's of these things to me reminded me of johnny menzel Johnny Menzel is going to wow you in their interview room because he knows exactly what to say. He's super confident he can make the eye contact. Yeah. The private workout was tailored absolutely perfect mm. to throw the ball downfield. They had the music playing, the yeah. pads on. He brought feel- them all together. He literally did all these things. The new, the no nickname rule. I mean, Johnny Football. Yeah. Like he had, he literally had all these things, and and he came out a little bit after Russell Wilson was still doing Drew Brees. So there was this thing where maybe he was the smaller quarterback, and we wrote off. He literally did all of these things the other way. Um, one thing that I know that Bill Belichick definitely does. They traded Kyle Lowry, uh, and they were gonna uh, the the Rockets did. And they yeah. weren't gonna do it. Right. And then one of the scouts goes. If we were a trade, if we were making this trade from the other side, would we do it? And they realized that they overvalued their own players, and it's called the endowment effect. And what they did after that was, before each season, they went, "We will we will assign a trade value to every member of our own team." James Harden's getting one. Uh, who else do they have on that team? Uh, I don't even know. Uh, Eric Beverly anymore, is getting right. it so that just in case anyone calls us for a trade, we don't go, oh, I don't know, we're going to trade James Harden. No, we have a trade value assigned to him. You know that Belichick has a trade value for Tom Brady. He does. He no. probably has one for everybody on that team that if someone called, he would know exactly what to give up There's for no him. doubt. Well, they the, the first thing they do is, I mean, they basically rank their players, too, where, where they rank in the league, right? So. They, they have a good feel. They ask like their scouting department, like, okay, rank the 32 quarterbacks. Where's Tom Brady in our 32? Yes. Uh, but, uh, whatever it is. he's not in the top five. So he goes through it. Uh, I think they're scared to put him <laughs> anywhere but number one in the scouting department, actually. Yeah. That's what I always laughed at. Uh, but, but, yes, there's certainly that. And Bill is the king of value. I mean, that's mm. really where I mean you can see he separated himself from the pack. Where, where, where teams need to... I actually was thinking about this last night because I'm sorry to go. I'm going to go slightly off topic. No, it's really here. not off topic, but I was thinking about this with New England a little bit. Like, how do you dethrone the king, right? Mm. How do you dethrone him? They've built this perfect machine. Right. And I, what teams really have to do is they have to start attacking their weaknesses, right? And their weakness a little bit is sometimes evaluating talent. Now, they've gotten a lot of good players. But, but they've missed on some really right, bad And they've missed it on free agents and things like that. To me... Like what they just did with Malcolm Butler, right? They just gave him a high tender. So if you want to get Malcolm Butler, you got to sign him to a new contract and give him a big contract that New England can't and offer you back. Draft and you got him draft pick. If I'm a team at the end of the first round, I'm, I'm going to challenge them. New England right now because you're going. Go, you don't do well at this part. Go of the ahead draft and evaluate. Anyway. Go get yourself a first round because I'm not too great. You're not too great with corners in this position and that. Mm. That's what I would start attacking with if I was the John Elways of the world. I, the, too many, like, there's no way. See, 
Malcolm Butler falls so you're in saying, line. You're saying a lot of people go, I can't believe you're giving Bill Belichick more ammunition in the draft, and you're going, I'd rather he'd have to draft. I would. Because like, look, how does Jordan? Look, 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 look. He just traded for Dwayne Allen, right? Because he knows what he is, right? He traded for Kyle Van Noy, no Because he knows what he is. But how many he's like, willing to make those trade for vets? You're saying, wow, make Bill Belichick draft. That's what I would say. I mean, how's that Jordan Richard safety at a Stanford in the third round working out? Mm. You know, there's there's been a number of what guys. The kid from Alabama, R- right? Cyrus Jones. You mean this? Yeah. Last year, I mean, yeah, there's a number of guys. So that's where if I was a real rival, that's where I would do it. It just went through my head as I was watching that. Like Malcolm Butler, there's, if Malcolm Butler was a smart businessman, there's no way he comes to training camp. Nothing. I'm not playing as one of the five best corners for $3.9 million. Yeah, it's interesting. I think everyone loves draft picks. When the Eagles traded with the Browns, we applauded the Browns for getting all of these picks. Right. You still got a hit. Yeah. Remember, you got all those picks for Julio Jones, and none of those guys are on your team anymore. <laughs> right. Uh, Gordon was the same way. My thing is this. I think draft picks mean a lot in the NBA because if you get two or three stars in four or five years, you got the Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm-hmm. In the in the we see in the NFL, you can go from worst to first by getting the right guy. Yeah. And it's there's too many guys in the NFL draft. And think about the amount of picks that Bill Belichick gives up. Gave up a pick for Eric Rowe. Yeah. He's willing to give up guys for guys that he can see in the NFL. And maybe we've been overvaluating the draft for so long and Belichick is willing to give up those picks. They didn't have a first-round pick for years. Yeah, Think about it. I know. They kept trading away. Right. Or, no, they would have two, but they would use one well, of no, them. Well, no, they traded away, guys. traded away, and then they did get, yes, they got two that one year with Chandler Jones and Dante Hightower. But Make Belichick draft. That would be my, if you saw if I saw a crack in the armor, because the one thing I would say oh. that was consistent, now this last year. Yeah, the question will be, will the Lions and Titans ever trade with the Patriots? Will the right and left-hand men of Belichick, his former guys, I do think it. I mean, you've seen you've seen like Kyle Van Noy was Detroit. He went there, so they're they're willing to do it. Uh, But I just I just that was just food for thought. I was just thinking about how you would do that. I like it a lot. One of the other things that Maury said was we've tried to hire psychologists every single year, different ones, to predict the future actions and life decisions of these players. It never works. Yeah. It's bullshit. Good luck. He, they can't figure it out. So no. that's why when you're like, bring in a psychologist. There's no, no formula that works work. for money in your pocket. It's the, that's what he girls says. Girls chasing you. Yeah. And yes, being spoiled to death as a professional athlete. It made me think also, so the, the human element, how do we, if you were running an NFL team, how would you refine the prejudices of humans that we don't even realize it? And this is what Maury's tried to done. And my question for you is, are teams doing that or do are these things prevalent? You're saying, oh, no, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of teams who are good at putting away the prejudices. There's other teams that can't let go of them. The other thing that I thought of is, are we looking at the wrong stats? Like, I'm someone that has always said, I care about the three cone more than the 40. I just think it makes sense. But, like, okay, so if hits was overtaken by on-base percentage, mm-hmm. I think that we need to get rid of tackles. Like, tackles to me is hits. I'd like to get tackles out of how many times you had the opportunity to tackle. Right. I'd like to know broken tackles based on how many times that you were going to be tackled. Sure. Uh, instead of catches, I'd like to know catches out of targets. Because if a guy only gets 20 targets but he made 19 catches, but a guy gets 80 targets and makes 19 catches, it's not the same yeah, thing. Right. There's you. different weighted there. Right. Sacks or disruption, right? 
I mean, like Jadavion Clowney, forget Michael. sacks, forget sacks. The amount of times that you're rushing the passer yeah. and sacks. Yeah. Because if you're rushing the passer 40 times a game and you get one sack, but if you rush one time of game and you get one sack, yeah. I just I think that. I know that analytics won't be a thing in football. But that we keep saying that because there's too many variances. <laughs> I think but there already, are certain ways to change stats I, to make it. This I think way. teams are already on that. I think, I think that's so. when I talk to teams in the NFL about like that stuff sometimes. And New England being one of them, they're they're already like like you were saying the wingspan thing. Yes, like you don't think the NFL was on that in 1984, of course, right? Of course. Like exactly. So I just think a lot of these sports, it's becoming public knowledge finally. Like, hey, look what we're doing in scouting. You think and the NFL's like, no shit, we've been doing this for 30 years. You're just you're just measuring the first 10 yards of the race now. Finally, yeah, we've been or, Gil Brandt's been doing that for right. 30 years. So so and, and not saying the NFL model is perfect, but I do think as far as that. And Hugh Jackson, when I did the Browns game this year, he's the one that did it to me. He put me in my place. What do you do? He goes, I oh, go. So, you were like, how the Mets so how do. is this analytics thing working? And he goes, I mean, Chris, do you think we're really just sitting here with formulas? He's like, first of all, I mean, we've been working off analytics my whole career in the NFL. I mean, that's what we do, right? We didn't have like a formula written on the board, yeah. but we had a formula of what we look for at each position and what worked and what mm. was successful. You know, the arm length with the speed and all those kind yeah. of things put together. So the uh, interesting, going on. Yeah, I think the interesting thing is just with the combine just happening is those interview rooms. Yeah. That's the one part that Maury says he can't control, and that's the interesting is human error. Right. You like a guy too much because he was cool in the meeting room. You didn't like him because he didn't give your pen back. we got to get to these players. Yeah, so let me hear Sorry. first the deep dive in Miles Garrett. Okay. He is the number one pick in the draft. What is the first? Okay, question, exclamation, exclamation. One play, and I am sold. Freak <laughs> sticks out on film with looks even before you press play. He is moving faster than everyone on the front. Uh, it's a no. I mean, it's. I have seen multiple people say he is not that next level guy. They don't see it. Are they blind? They're blind. Yeah, it's it's. They're blind. Sorry. First of all, again, too. Compare him to a white guy. He knows nothing. <laughs> this is what's awesome. Is he, he's got no pass rush moves. He just is like, I'm big coming around the edge. Oh, so he's, boom. he's bizarro Bosa. He's, got no, he's exactly right. He's got no hand he's moves. He's a no hand moves, no spin move. Uh, the one thing I know is he can explode off the line of scrimmage. He's strong as shit, and he can bend around the corner. Now, wow. if there were negatives about him, the only thing I say, I wish he was a hair more physical. I wish he would throw his body around a little bit more. But as being very nitpicky, there's no weakness to this kid. Wow. He is, um, he is, you know, I don't know who to compare him. He's got, of course, that Jadeveon Clowney powerness about him. Yes. Uh, it, it's like he's like a Justin Houston JPP mixture of a guy wow. all together. But. Uh, to me, it's a no-brainer. He is a difference maker, and he is the first pick in the draft. He is the first. Cleveland he is in Browns. Jadeveon Clowney category of players, wow. which we never even got to see what Jadeveon Clowney could have fully been. But yeah, I was. If we were doing a draft and there that Clowney, Mac, and Garrett were all in the draft, who would you take first? Oh, coming out of college, Clown, yeah, it, it, I would go Clowney still. Clowney, Clowney one, be, yes, uh, two. Garrett than Mac? Probably. If you just if I truly didn't only from college. If just college, right. I would probably still go Garrett over Mac. Yes, okay. just because of the Buffalo thing as and much he's as I like in Mac. That tier. He's in that tier. There's no doubt about it. He is a freak of nature, this kid. 
Uh, can he be someone that changes a Browns defense yeah, by himself? Yes, he wow. can. He can change a defense. He's going to change teams like teams like Alabama and things. They didn't run at Miles Garrett. They ran the other way the whole game. Uh, which I watched the Ole Miss game. I believe was the other. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was the Ole Miss game. Was the other game I watched. Um, I mean, double teams. All uh, a lot of the game was it Old Miss? Hold on, I'm blanking. I watched a lot of film today. I'm just trying to remember who I watched for sure. But regardless, the guy's got tremendous explosion, tremendous strength, and he's very pliable, which is important mm. to me. I don't want to just see Good a word. stiff a stiff guy coming off the edge. It's about how low can you dip that shoulder, yes. and can you which keep your Thon balance does exactly right? So he can really do it at a phenomenal level. Um, and really, I don't think SEC football does him any justice because they don't throw the ball. There's no drop back pass game, right? Like I watched the Alabama game, and I said he would have had his way with Cam Robinson. Yes, if they just had, if they ever held the ball. I saw someone tweet one thing you got to be careful about with Miles Garrett is he only had like seven sacks, and four of them were against UTSA. Yeah, right. I didn't watch UTSA, but this is where I'm saying yes. That stat. What were your opportunities to sack? Exactly we right. Don't, we don't know. Like, that was what happened with Clowney. Everyone took shots at him. Right. They ran the offense away from him almost every fucking play. No doubt. He was double teamed on almost every pass play. So yeah. a lot of that same thing. Uh, I am really You're impressed. You're sold, though. I'm sold. End of discussion. His ability to redirect all those things. He can do everything. Uh, and I, I'm very impressed with the, his power. Like He can be a 3-4 outside linebacker. He can be a 4-3 defense end. He could be a 3-4 defense end. He's strong enough to sit there in two-gap mm. and do that as well. So, yes, I am sold. And if he the is, Browns, for some reason, take a quarterback, then the Niners take him. Man, definitely. I, I don't know how you can pass him. The only thing that's crazy is you got Armstead, Buckner, and Garrett back-to-back-to-back to back to back defensive linemen. I mean, you gotta, you got to figure out a way to get those three There's guys. There's no running. way Cleveland can 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 uh, – can back off. This. Well, I, I, I asked you this question a second ago. This is a question we've seen a lot. It was the Auburn game. I'm sorry that I gotcha. watched. It was Auburn and Alabama. It's a question we've seen a lot. The defensive player is the best lineman in the in the, the best player in the draft. When you and the try to run read option at this guy, I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry, but no, I've just got thoughts in my head. And when you run the read option at this guy, like Auburn and and Alabama. I mean, they ran the read option. And they were like, "We're going to read Miles Garrett." <laughs> and you know what happened when they did that? They couldn't even read it because he was tackling the quarterback and the running back at the same time before he could even pull it out. So it didn't matter. Man. And then they just said, okay, screw that. We'll go the other way. You've done a lot of talking on the quarterbacks. I know you watched a bunch of the running backs. I did. The one that I'm most interested in is Leonard Fournette. He has been the freak. He has been the guy for the last three years. You look at him with his shirt off, holy crap. You look at him on the sideline, holy crap. He puts dudes in the ground, unbelievable. Yeah. At 240-whatever, he's running a 4-5. It's crazy. What do you see of him vision-wise? What do you see of him at the Uh-oh. next level? Your eyes are wide he's open. He's definitely a top five top ten pick okay he's special i mean he's like if you're the jets at six and you're leonard fournette sitting there I, I don't know how you turn him down really if you're jacksonville and you feel good about your team i don't know how you turn him down either like he is in the category to me of Bo, earl what? campbell ricky williams type of running back i've never seen people fall off a running back as much as I've seen it. Effortlessly like this. I mean, they run into him full speed, and he doesn't break stride, and they like are like like toys, like like little peewee kids falling off of him. And the good thing is, to take in the Daryl Morey stuff, he played in the SEC, which loaded up the box with a ton of first-round talent, and he still ran all over he people. He still ran all over people, and like I, I even wrote, LSU couldn't have had a more stupid offense. It was... <laughs> it was 
<laughs> spread them out when we're going to throw it, and then, hey, we're not going to run even though there's two tight ends and a fullback in the game. I mean, that's literally what they did. They were like, hey, we're running now. He's back there, and we're in the run set. Here we come. And it did not matter. Now, he's interesting. Um, I thought his hands were pretty darn good. I know that was a question. Uh, now, he doesn't like he, – he doesn't – he's got incredible feet. That's what I'm amazed by. Yes. Incredible feet for his size. I cannot get over it. He doesn't do like jump cuts, though. That's the one thing that I've noticed. So he's not an Ezekiel Elliott. He's not Elliott. like a Dave Johnson, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, like Bell. jump cut. He's more of a receiver from the standpoint of like he runs to a spot, he chops, he breaks down, and he redirects and yes. flies the other way. How do you compare him to Derrick Henry, who you really liked last year? I think he's a better specimen than even a Derrick Henry. He's in the, I mean, he's. And his he, legs are insane. Insane. He's in the Ezekiel Elliott conversation. I mean, that's, that's what he is. It's just they have a different style of running. Yes. But top-end speed is phenomenal. Uh, I mean, he's in the SEC breaking big runs, and nobody's catching him every week. So, so um, what you said about Derrick Henley. Yeah. If you're doing this, you can't not look at it. No, and he's more even He's even better between the tackles than a Derrick Henry. So, uh, yeah, I, I just I couldn't get over it when I saw it, and I just was going to look at you. He's downhill 100 miles per hour. Um, he probably could show a little bit more patience. Always force falls forward. Nobody stops him on contact. Mm. You stop him square on shoulders, he falls forward for three more yards. Has the best straightaway power I have seen in a while. That's what I wrote. Not a jump cutter at all. More like a wide receiver with the ball in his hands. Chops and just redirects. LSU does not help him, like mm. I said, with the power eye. His stiff arm ability and his ability to lower the shoulder might be the best I've ever seen. His ability to run down the sidelines a la, what was that, the old Miss game when yes. he almost annihilated the person for life? Yeah, that was bad. I mean, I can't tell you how many linebackers. I, I wrote down in my notes, number 44 for Mississippi State. I give him a lot of credit. He was a linebacker, and it kept being him and Leonard Fournette in the hole. He kept getting run over, but he kept putting his face in there. Man. Um, but, yeah, I was. he's he's a no-brainer. One guy that you just said that you really like that a lot of people were disappointed by a pedestrian combine was Dalvin Cook. Yes. What do you? What is your your read on? Yeah, that? you know, listen, I'm not like I'm again. This is where you have to balance the people, combine. Yeah, and, people were saying for a little bit. Yeah, I would take Dalvin over Fournette. I heard people say it. Yeah, I get it. I mean, listen, he's exciting. He's a special talent. To me, the NFL formula of Fournette, I think, is the more sure thing, right? I mean, Fournette is he's just made for the NFL yes. downhill with a little creativity in our run scheme uh, all game long, and he's just going to wear on, on defenders as the game goes on as well. Now, Cook, uh, the first thing I wrote is, runs with better power than you realize for his size. Now, his ability to jump cut and make people miss in a short area, it's, it's remarkable. It's and crazy. I wrote, I'm only 10 carries in. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, his vision was also phenomenal. He never misses a cutback lane. Very uh, It definitely, that is, a, I th- wrote down, he's better in vision than Fournette. Fournette's gotcha. not the greatest vision. It's kind of just like, here it is, and he just goes, I'm going to smash it in there, and if I come out the other side, good it's, luck catching me. It's a little me. scary. It is a little scary that way, but it also never, he never loses yards because of that either. So, now, um, but but all in all, I mean, Cook is phenomenal. Uh, he's I wrote, he's patient. Uh, I'm just trying to say, he's amazing at turning the corner. I mean, he did it twice. I wrote he did it twice against Clemson. Who have you seen turn the corner twice against Clemson and run for seventy yards? Right, not not, not nobody really. Uh, his his stop start acceleration. This is where you got to be careful of the five ten five. His stop start acceleration is as good as I've seen. It's unbelievable. His ability to run in the hole, oh, the hole stopped, not there, it closed up, stop, and then re-accelerate another way is 
is top like, notch. I don't want to compare him to Devontae Freeman because they both had dreads and went to Florida State and have similar body types, but that's what Freeman's great at, he too. He is. He's a more explosive Devontae Freeman. Mm. That's what he is. Maybe not quite as powerful as Devontae Freeman, but more explosive, more dangerous One in the open field. One more final note on Cook before we get to McCaffrey. Yeah. Uh, let me, I'm just going to say, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, he's he's – He's uh, he doesn't always fall forward. I wrote those are kind of the negatives. I mean, when, there was some short yarded situations. It was third and three, and they ran him up the middle, and he got hit at two yards, and that's where you spotted yeah. the ball. That was it. Now he can catch the ball. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, but where, I, what range you said for Nets top five, top ten? Where's Cook? I think Cook is somewhere between 8 and 15 probably. Okay. I think he'll be I think he'll be in that range too. I, I just I think he's a difference maker. I think it's going to be I'm hard to turn down. Very excited to hear you talk about McCaffrey. Yeah. McCaffrey, okay, he's not he's first I want to say this with Cook and Fournette. Look, they're freaks of nature. I, I really think the combine I would love to ask him these questions. This is the disadvantage Who you and the I hell are. did you work out with? Or the, or they just said, "No, I'm just going to go practice the 40 a few times and the film says enough. I don't give a damn about these right. others." When you're that good of an athlete, sometimes that's what you do do. You just go, you know, like F you and your drills. You saw me make miss n- nine Alabama stud. players couldn't tackle me. Yeah. So screw your drills. Uh, McCaffrey I, is not in their class as a true runner. Now he's really good. McCaffrey can be a star in the NFL, but not from the sense I think like a Cook and Fournette could be. He really, you have to have a certain role for him. You know, I look at McCaffrey and go, he's 202 pounds at the combine. He's probably devoted his life to trying to be above 200 pounds for the last two yeah. months, right? You got to think about that. Right. And then what to he, maintain that, right? What tough. does he weigh in late November after 12 games? Is what I would want to know. I would say it's around 190. And for me to think that he's going to go to some team and be the bell cow 20 to 25 times a game at that size and the way he is, I just don't think that's realistic. Knowing that that's not his role. Do you take him in the first round? I do think he is a still a first He's round that talent of a because guy. I think he could be literally. If you just said first of all, I want to make you Julian Edelman, I think he could do it. Like. He's he got is, the hands. He's got the hands. He's got. He's an incredible route runner. I mean, whether it's slant goes on the outside, whatever it is, slants, unders, whatever it may be, he runs routes like I, I like the best receivers in the draft. So wow. he is a legit guy. If he goes to a team like the Saints or the Redskins or the 49ers or um, the Rams or or the or Rams, New England, exactly teams that know how to use him in the perfect world, you want to go like, all right, we want to give him the ball as a running back like ten to twelve times, yeah, and then we want to target him in the pass game like. Like ten other times, would he work on the Giants? He would work on the Giants. Yes. Now, yeah, they just—you uh, just got to be what ready to incorporate Packers? him as a receiver. Yeah, he could do it there too. You know, they're not the most like creative they, offenses, like but Randall they could use Cobb, them. Ty Montgomery, exactly right. That's what he is. He's a better version of them, and he's going to be a better running back. Now, his explosion is real. I mean, there's no doubt about it. That you can't underestimate his explosion, his ability to stop, start, make people miss in space. But was his ability to stop, start as good as Dalvin Cook on film? No, it definitely was not. His vision, though, is incredible. And Incredible. It really is. I'm trying to just look as I'm talking to you. Uh, you know, I, I wrote NFL legit slot wide receiver. Um, hey, the USC game, that was tough sledding. I mean, he had a good game, but it wasn't like there was these huge holes to run through. Uh, but he does a very good job of kind of just, oh, there's no hole. Let me hop in here, and I'll just squeeze in for four yards or yeah. squeeze in for three. Now, there's going to be no yards after contact, uh, but he never misses a hole, and... 
I wrote, yeah, 31, 30, 25 carry games would scare me in the NFL. I wrote great quick, still not as explosive as Cook or Fournette. His start-stop start, acceleration is not as good as theirs either. Um, when the game is slow, ugly, and physical, you're playing the Steelers in December. Can he be the bell cow? That's the question I wrote. What is your range for him? Fournette was top five, top ten. Cook was eight to fifteen. Where's yeah, McCaffrey? I, I would say McCaffrey. It's going to be anywhere from twenty to thirty-five. I would okay. say somewhere in that range. Yes. Uh, were there any other running backs that you came across that you definitely want to talk about? I mean, the Alvin Alvin Kamara kid from, from Tennessee, Tennessee is really interesting. I think he's like a Lamar Miller, Thomas Jones type of guy. Now he yeah. just hasn't had a lot of carries, but he is impressive when I watch him it's on film. It's literally incredible that you said that. I watched a video about Kamara on NFL Network, and those were the two guys they compared him uh, to. On NFL.com, I saw the Thomas Jones comparison, so that's why I said it. And I just, as I was watching, it I said, sense. I said that I played with Thomas. I said it, it does. It makes sense. He has that same type of running style. Uh, but yeah, he was incredible balance, uh, incredible at running through tackles a good little route runner himself I think he's a guy that yeah he's not a first round pick but he'll he could go somewhere in the second or third I do believe that Joe Mixon's the other guy right let's hear it he's he's the guy I think he's the hardest one for me to tell now I I heard like can you look up at what Joe Mixon's times were at his pro day today apparently they were really good I heard it was like low four four high four three it was a four four one four so that's a four five one at the headline combine, on right? his, on uh, CBS Joe Mixon delivers Ezekiel Elliott level testing numbers that's not true because that's at a pro day at your school it's not laser time at the NFL Combine so I hate uh, when they say that okay here we go broad jump nine foot ten yeah vertical was thirty five inches bench press twenty one reps. 40-yard dash, uh, mid-4-4s, depending upon the watch. Two teams confirmed they are leaving with a 4-4-7 official time. Yeah, that's so I, I even wrote. To me, looks like 4-6 speed. That's so what that, I wrote. And the 4-4-7, you had the 10th, 4-5-7. You got to add a 10th without the laser finish. Exactly right. So 4-5-7, that's kind of what I thought. I honestly think he's one of the toughest to evaluate. Now, this is what I'll say, Justin. He has no weaknesses. Everything he does is very good. Oh. He's a phenomenal route He's got runner. one weakness. He's got not yeah, hitting women. Apparently, that is his It's a big weakness. It is. But, I mean, incredible upper body strength. Got great stiff arms. Uh, he's got natural feel as a runner. I wrote just he's jump cuts. He's got good patience. He really understands that. Um, I I don't know how explosive he is. That was my big question. He's one of those guys that just it doesn't look like he's moving that fast on film. Big Twelve defenses stink. It's yes. always a spread football game that kind of fit him against smaller defenses where he was as big as the linebackers in most games. So all those things. Uh, but regardless, still a really good football player. The best game I saw, I watched the Auburn game, but I'm always careful about bowl games. It's just not realistic to me. Oh, you got a month off to come back and play football. Like, then why do we talk about the Sean Watson against Alabama? Yeah, I, I, listen, I get it. Now, it's a quarterback, so there's a little difference there in general. Uh, yeah, maybe his arm's a little fresher, yeah. but I just get to look at it and go, like, oh, guys have had a month to rest their bodies, get in the weight room again and go crazy and almost train like it's the offseason, and then you get to put their best foot forward in yeah, the bowl exactly. game. Where I don't know if that's realistic NFL-wise is what I'm saying. Gotcha. Um, but What round do you see him as? Man. Without the off the field, man, just talent. Yeah, I would say he's probably a late second, early third round type of talent, right? It'll be very interesting to see where he goes. He's a little like Jordan Howard, except I thought Jordan Howard is a little more explosive than he yeah. was. Um, and Jordan Howard was taken in the sixth round, but obviously they were wrong about that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to just ask two random questions uh, before we go. 
Uh, first one. This Aaron, will be the longest. The longest no, podcast. No, I don't we've ever think done. it is because you. The timing's all messed up because we're I, looking for batteries. I know. I've been keeping track. Don't Aaron worry. Foster spent four hours on Twitter last week explaining why he would beat a wolf one on one if a wolf attacked him. I thought this is a perfect question for you. <laughs> say, say this again. Sorry. Aaron Foster spent four hours on Twitter explaining how he could beat a wolf, like if a wolf attacked him. And his main argument was, I have thumbs, a wolf doesn't. As soon as he bites me, he's open for me to just wail on him. I could kick him in the nuts, all that stuff. You versus a wolf, do you feel confident? Man, I don't know. I mean, at first, I don't know if he Wolf is about 150 to 200 pounds. Depends. Yeah, timber wolves can be more than that. It can be like 230, like the ones in Yellowstone. It's coming at you. What's your strategy? Man. Act. I, go. I mean, I'm, Decision making. I'm definitely throwing a kick first, right at his throwing nose. Throwing a kick. Throwing I, a kick. I'm not throwing a kick. You know why? Why? Because your, your underloins are wide open. I don't know, but what, he's going to bite something. So what do you want him to bite? Go ahead. Bite my underlines. I'd rather that than I him, would like, rather cut him off my bite main my artery. left arm. Yeah, take your artery off your How's arm. How's he going to know where my artery is? Well, That's one of Arian Foster's arguments. I'm going left hand so I can come over the top. My fear is he grabs him by the leg. I can't reach with a lot of strength. I mean, I guess I could kick him with my other flag yeah but do you think you would survive do you think you would do well no 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 so i mean then, you give me a knife i'm gonna win sure so but. then you asking it, you answering whether josh or myself could handle it uh yeah you're, you're not <laughs> no we're not I just handling imagine that canvasser being attacked by a wolf it got really we're ugly. not handling it doesn't matter where his artery is his so whole you're fucking going, mouth you're is gonna go into your wolf ar- over uh, nfl player uh, yes. 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 Uh, most cases. I mean, most oh, there cases. is a video online of this woman kicking. There's a, a wolf few guys. I mean, you put Fletcher Cox against a wolf. Yeah. Okay. I'm probably gonna go Fletcher Cox. Now he might come away with like a hundred stitches, but, but he's like he bear hugged him and broke all right. The wolf's he breaks bones. his ribs. Right. <gasps> what? what are we doing? I'm not publishing this. <laughs> uh, yes, you are. Last one is if you, if Tim Tebow. What's was even a- crazier is a wolf needs a pack to take down like a caribou at Yellowstone. But yet a mountain lion just does it by himself. Now, that's power. Unbelievable. Really good insight right there. Uh, Tim Tebow today uh, was playing for the uh, Mets. Mets. Went 0 for 3, two strikeouts and a hit by pitch. And then when he was on first base, got thrown out at first after like a a fly, like a a liner to the second baseman. If you were pitching against Tim Tebow, what would your first pitch be? I would throw him four curveballs and be like, hey, Seuss. No help, you hit curveballs. You, you need to find somebody else. Left goes trying to figure that out. <laughs> no, I'm trying to figure out what did you become there. <laughs> that was Major League. You know what I Major was, League? I, my answer was I'm going high heat. I'm saying get the fuck off my plate, Tim Tebow, you fuck, and then I'm hitting him. The I don't think balls. he can hit the curveball, period. I'm just going to embarrass him. Three straight curveballs, and he needs to he'll have to go get a, yo, Joe Boo, bartender needs a refill. Are you excited about Tim Tebow being the future of your franchise? I can't wait. There's no way. It's embarrassing. Yeah. I feel bad for the guy at home that deserves to be there, but he's got to sit there and watch Tim Tebow. We had someone in this office go, man, Tim Tebow, you should keep him on the team because he can give a, the motivational speeches before the game. That's right. That's I what went, the yeah, team is. That's, that's what they're going to listen to. Is the that's, guy that's what Matt Harvey playing. wants. He wants exactly. to hear Tim Tebow. Uh, all right. Juicy, juicy, juicy podcast. I liked it. Uh, more Damn, for you, you got your work cut out for you, Josh, and nah, Eddie, on this one. It was it's not going to be that again. hard to edit. It's just going to take me an hour and a half to listen to. Uh, free agency news is going to keep coming out throughout the weekend. We're going to tackle that on Monday, whether it's Facebook Live and post it or another one, but you're going to go, I think, do a deeper dive on either defensive ends or some I've other positions. I've started on defense ends. I'm your question. Yeah. Would it be fun one day to do a Facebook Live of Chris watching film and he can talk out loud? We can't show the highlights, but people could he watch He doesn't you. talk when he watches. 
Could the be. only time he talks to me is watching is when I talk, and then after five minutes he goes, "Left, go get the fuck out. This isn't good. <laughs> Can we make you talk? No, the only noise you're going to hear is him going, hmm, and then writing in his notebook. Yeah, that's kind of how it works. All right, never Dude, mind. Facebook Live. But we can Very do, off-brand. <laughs> we could do Facebook Live like what we did last week, like with Mahomes two weeks ago. Where we that just is the good Look show. at some highlights. We could talk ball and do All that. Right, let's wrap this podcast up. All right. You're the one that asked the question. All right. Love you for Sims. Peace out, homies. For Fendry. Good night, everybody. God, I love you. Have a good day, everybody. Mm-hmm.